वेलकम टू सिंटॉक सिंटॉकर्स अराउंड द टेबल टुडे डिस्कस द फेसेस ऑफ कनेक्टेडनेस वी थिंक अबाउट कनेक्शंस व्हाट डज इट मीन टू कनेक्ट एंड बी कनेक्टेड व्हाट कीप्स अ नेटवर्क टुगेदर डू हब्स ऑलवेज अराइज इन नेटवर्क्स फॉर स्टेबिलिटी एंड फंक्शनैलिटी how do different networks and media evolve what are the interrelationships between structure and function of networks is a body a platform is a more connected world across several domains more resilient or less why do networks not collapse and crash more often is all content now sensorial in some sense and what is the very long term future of being connected will we all become devices were we always devices we are pleased and privileged to have two sin talkers with us here today professor frank den hollander he is a mathematician who interfaces with physics biology and complex systems is from Leiden University in the Netherlands and has collaborated with several international researchers over the years. And Professor Ravi Sundaram, he is a media scholar and a scholar of urban life. He initiated the Sarai program at CSDS in New Delhi. So Frank, why don't we set the ball rolling with you? Um Uh, what does it mean to be connected is there a way of uh, answering that in a formal and rigorous enough sense there are many different ways in which you can be connected uh, a network is basically any collection of entities whether physical or imaginary uh, that are have some relationships to each other and that have some form of connectedness and all that uh, will fit into the broad category of stuff that we are uh, discussing today uh, what do you mean by imaginary entities in the sense that it doesn't have to be something physical mm-hmm. there are, there are there are many different types of networks for instance a social network consists of of friendships and that's not something physical it's a social fact facebook uh, the world wide web they're all part of uh, of social networks but you can also have uh, technological networks like uh, like the internet or power grids where you're really thinking about physical connections that make the network happen traffic transportation but aren't the nodes physical in some shape or form or uh, yes in that case you will have stations or you have airports that are nodes and flights will correspond right. to connections right. um, in you have economic networks between banks and banks trade money and uh, so there are relationships between banks who trade with each other or firms who uh, who transport goods among each other because they need to be uh, part of uh, of a longer process of building something so in a sense these nodes are not necessarily located in space in physical space they, no, they be can be in a more be, abstract space they can be also uh, in a more abstract space uh, biological networks uh, the human brain is a big network network uh, of neurons networks yes, of substructures exactly. and kinds. you have protein uh, protein interaction networks uh, metabolic networks so there are many different types and whatever uh, means a connection or whatever means a node can vary differently uh, can vary a lot over what network you are looking but they they all have a lot in common and that's that's the big challenge to understand and the connection in this case is some kind of a synonym for an interaction between the two or sometimes it can be an interaction so uh, between uh, cells in the brain there's really some kind of uh, synapses some link mm-hmm. but uh, in a social network uh, it could be friendships and they are or it could be uh, that you are 
sharing uh, the same point of view as another person and then it's not something physical but it's still very much there and it plays a role in the way people interact with each other. But something like friendship, Frank, is the outcome or a manifestation. That's not what you in, what you exchange, right? I mean, it might lead to in that's a friendship, the state in a sense. Of, in a uh, friendship, you do exchange uh, ideas and sometimes you change your opinion because you've talk to other people and they've convinced you so that relationship has has a lot of effect on uh, who you are and how you will act and behave in the future so those uh, relationships even though they're not f physical you cannot measure them they have a big impact on uh, on the way uh, a group of individuals uh, uh, behaves and and how and, do how do mathematicians such as you measure connectedness is there a way of saying i mean is this in terms of number of nodes number of connections number of and how does one go about there are certain uh, things you can really measure easily about a network but there are also things that are hard to understand for instance if you have a very large network uh, like uh, like uh, the World Wide Web, we do not really know what its structure is. Um, if you look... You mean the structure of the entire network? Of the entire network. It's too big. Uh, we can measure things about it, but we cannot... We don't have a, a full understanding of how uh, the network is really formed uh, and how how... Uh, what the architecture is. Uh, there, there are certain networks you, for you which... You mean the topology of it? Yes. Or? Right. Uh, so if you, uh, you know, in, in, in my country, somebody uh, who controls the, the, the train traffic can look at a big screen and still uh, get a view of what the entire network looks like and what is happening on the network. Right. But if you have a big network like the World Wide Web... You or can't have a map of it, you can't map you it You can't out. map it. It would even be very difficult to, to, to visualize it if, if, you, if you want to. And in... Um, for instance, in a network of, of friendships, uh, not everything uh, is always disclosed. So you may not be able to have access to all the information about the network, even if you would want to. Banks who trade uh, commodities, they will not let other people know exactly with who they are trading what. Uh, you know, Once a year, they have to produce a certain a certain number of figures, uh, but they they will not disclose everything. So it is a challenge sometimes to understand what the network really looks like and what it is doing. Does uh, does that make sense to you, Ravi? What 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 does something like internet look like? Um, of course, there's a mathematician, a more topological kind of struggle of how do you exactly map it and what configuration you think of it. Um, what what is connectedness for you and how does one think of media in this context is is media just something that flows on a network so is network the substrate on which media flows or is there something more substrate like to the whole notion of media itself so uh, i actually think uh, we've always been connected modern life hmm. has always existed as a bundle of connections Mm -hmm. uh, the old historical cycles of agriculture, uh, circulation of commodities have always built uh, networks through which people come together. They build uh, memories of trading, uh, cultures of trading, norms of trading, right? So these have always existed. Libraries are based on uh, classification systems which are very strongly network linked because books circulate. Now what seems to have changed in the 20th century. And these networks could be transient. They don't necessarily need to be permanent. No, they could uh, come and people go. try and stabilize networks. Right. So, for example, uh, formats in, in, in books, mm. uh, archival systems, uh, systems of trading, the double entry bookkeeping that emerged uh, in, in Italy. So these are all ways to stabilize networks. And I think we still try and stabilize networks in ways we can, right? Networks, in a sense, always have a potential for chaos. They, they they slip up. They they, they That's tend so to. That's so nice. Yeah. Uh, they always have a potential of slipping away. So this has been. So when you say stabilize, you mean networks have a have a tendency to develop protocols. Is that the, absolutely? Is that so the right way to think about what, it? What modernity does 
and modern life does or attempts to do uh, is is try and develop protocols to stabilize systems so that systems can reproduce themselves and that can happen in a very bottoms up kind of way right ravi it, it doesn't can, need to be via diktat or anything from the top it happens through conventions right uh, that come together stabilize the university system hmm. is is a classic system and it works through very important networks of knowledge circulation hmm. uh, the, the business the whole the whole business of trading Hmm. uh the from the early stock exchanges in holland uh to very complex systems of trading that you have today are all built on protocols so what is this tendency towards what is this tendency for is it to de- is it to increase the amount of predictability is it to i think what uh, is it for i th- i think prediction uh prediction to some extent but i think these these systems these protocol systems have really shifted from the early days of modernity to the internet and this mm-hmm. is what we need to understand uh, and and i and i hope we can talk a bit more about this so what happened in earlier uh, models were longer time space cycles mm-hmm. where uh, you know protocols you mean the de- frequency of yes protocols um, developed over years and years and and there are hierarchies in this mm-hmm. so universities would have different hierarchies libraries would have different hierarchies business systems would probably be more innovative uh, there are economists like schumpeter that talked about cycles right uh, as how these cycles developed so i think these hierarchies are very important but what i think we what has happened uh, in, in from the mid mid 20th century uh is what uh, the 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 media philosopher mcluhan called an electrical age mm-hmm. where he said there's an extension of our bodies we mm-hmm. want to participate in all the consequences of our actions and this is what the internet really yearns towards right it want to extend all parts of our and when you say electrified what is electrical age electrical so mcluhan age. called it an electrical age mm-hmm. by which he meant the important thing uh, about media was not content but was the connections it makes right uh, because that's how it's compared to like you know you you can't see electricity right but you can definitely feel it and right. you can see what electricity does it lights up the room it extends the day you see its effects yes you see its effect so media's effects produces new networks and new connections so uh, so you know electricity is a classic you know it it increases it dramatizes the day into the night Hmm. And uh, similarly, the 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 I think I think the the vanity of contemporary media hmm. is precisely this: you extend the borders and produce new networks indefinitely. So mm-hmm. we did not imagine the social network, uh, you know, ten years ago. We did not imagine the, what what phones can do. until 4 5 years ago and then something else may come in yeah 5 years later so this in, indefinite extension of and also of, subdomains kind of merge into each other they converge into each so other all this, the time this this means we go back to your question how do we predict hmm. how do we stabilize hmm. how do we uh, set up, set up new protocols that can reproduce this is i think the really crying question of our age and then protocols also need to be interoperable in some sense right they when do they come but together. but see what it seems to have changed what you have now are affective networks yeah where value a lot of value economic value is drawn from our sensory experience uh what we touch you know the tra- the transformation of the hand and the finger when we are constantly touching our phone yeah. and how do you measure yeah. this right how yeah. do you measure the senses Uh, we are talking of brain research we are talking of the physiognomy of the body we are talking of you know conve- you know debates in mathematics that have started with 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 these new network computations so is there is there a way of uh, somewhat abstractly thinking how large networks could be is is, is there are there theoretical limits to these things uh, frank i don't think there are theoretical limits to the size of a network what ravi is saying is is uh, is very important networks have been have been growing they have been adding to each other so it's there there's there's a there's a there's the question of scale mm-hmm. and uh, and as you said in you know much earlier there were networks but they were the, the connections were much more local and there would be some some big companies who would travel from one uh, country to another that eventually connected up started to connect up big networks and now everything is is connected we're thinking about the internet of everything and i i don't really see a limitation to to that what is what but is the remo- networks also have this tendency of subsuming other networks into them right so is there yeah, so it, if you it, 
it is what we uh, allow the networks to do. And if we connect things up, uh, then that's what's happening. And it is uh, very often very beneficial uh, because it creates more possibilities. But I don't think there's a limit to to the size. It's not like you're going to say uh, if if uh, if the World Wide Web would be 10 times as big, it wouldn't work anymore. Uh, what we see is that um, why do, why why don't they become f more fragile as they become larger? Th that, that's remarkable. But if we we see that uh, that th there are uh, there are a number of basic properties which you which we which are present in in essentially every network. Mm -hmm. uh, th there's a notion of scale freeness, which means that even if you make the networks a hundred or or uh, or or ten thousand times bigger, the the properties do not really change by much but are all networks scale free or does it have to do something with some substructure uh, some many networks are, are are scale free not not all of them but it is a very common feature mm -hmm. there's also a, uh, a common feature that we call small world that we are able to travel within short distances from any point to any point. Any point. And, and for instance, if if you make a network... That's so beautiful. Uh, if you yeah. make a network a million times bigger... Uh, the the, the you, number of hops needed would not increase Would not increase by, by much. And this is remarkable. I mean, the, the uh, six six steps away from, from everybody on, on the planet, essentially everybody, that might become seven if, 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 if the world population... It won't go to 100 or 2,000. No, no, not at all. Right. And then you have already mentioned is, in is, your... Is that, is that intuitive to you, the small world notion? Uh, it, I mean, it comes uh, from the fact that the network, that networks are very ramified. Uh, from one node, you can go to ten nodes, and from each of these ten nodes, you can again go to ten nodes, and that so that explodes very quickly. Does, yeah. Um, so the number of nodes that are uh, within a certain distance of you is enormous, and that's why you can explore the network. So so, so only very if there well. is order of magnitude increase, yeah. might there be increase of one step yeah. in that? Exactly. That's increased. Yeah. And yeah. then a third thing that we see in uh, networks is the hubs that you have already mm. mentioned. Those so there are some nodes who have a very very high degree, and they also play a very important. When you say high degree, Frank, you mean very um, large number of connections. Exactly. So right. that there is there there are rare nodes who have a very large number of connections. So in 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 a, in a friendship network, there could be people who are very well known and very popular and and have lots of uh, friends. But in the brain, this happens too. Uh, it happens in. The, so the brain has hubs. Yeah, the brain definitely has hubs. Yep. And Oops. in in uh, in the World Wide Web, you have web pages who who are linked to many many other web pages and are very uh, popular and it is through those web pages that you are able access to sort of access and th those features they they're not present in every conceivable network but they they seem to be three properties that we encounter in many networks and we have a fair understanding of why that is and it's very universal does the notion of a hub make any sense to the media theorist in you is I it, think I think I mean, hubs, is there is hubs, there a sense of necessity to them? Hubs, of course, exist. They they exist, but I think one of the interesting things that I encounter is when networks. You know, the point that Frank raises when net, networks are expanding mm. uh, constantly. Mm. Uh, the question is, how do you measure this expansion? Because measurement is a very important part of networks. We mm. must never forget that, and a lot of money is made from that measurement. So when you have complexity of networks, what what kind of measurements do you produce to understand that, right? So you have humans uh, and 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 non-human objects connected in networks, and what was called what these these zones at one time were distinctly separated. Now these zones are all flowing into each other. What do you mean by non-human nodes? By you, An you don't object just mean that, servers, that, 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 that is that servers, that is, devices, everything, everything. The, the you know the infrastructure of of the room where where this recording is taking place. Sure. So this, there's an interaction between you know it's so networks are now premised on the interaction of all these bodies, machines, uh, the air. Now the question is uh, this kind of flow. 
people try and measure it. Of course, they try and set up protocols in highly uh, constricted networks like telephone networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, p- protocols are set up, mm-hmm. you know, of the kind of uh, communication that, you know, which really goes back to the 19th century. But in, in networks like the Internet, it becomes a real challenge for measurement. Uh, and and I think uh, all kinds of innovations, new debates emerge on how do we actually measure this and how do we structure this? Search so, engines, structure so, structure hmm. uh, networks all the time. So what are some tentative answers to how do you measure? I think uh, there are no tentative answers uh, and <laughs> no easy answers. I, the reason is one level of the network is pushing for endless expansion. Mm-hmm. The point Frank raised, you know, Internet of Things. Right. Uh, the the transformation of the body through systems of measurement. Sure. Uh, you know, the body itself has been mapped in ways we could not imagine before. So, what do you limit it? You can't limit it. So you, there are new protocols clashing against each other. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 all about conflict over. It's it's like old intellectual debates. You have to set up systems of measurement, you debate, you look at privacy implications, mm. you look at uh, how we can protect ourselves. There are systems in law, it opens up a can of worms, but quite exciting, if you ask me. Can there be one unit of measure? Uh, I, I know you already said, Frank, that it's it's probably very difficult to measure, not very meaningful to come up with I such a notion. I don't think there can be one uh, way of measuring. What Ravi is... Uh, pointing to is that you have there are so many different networks uh, connected to each other and they they many different kinds of networks as well they're not homogeneous and they're not like each other I mean they are but a a human will sometimes behave irrationally but the computer will not so you 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 have to deal with with different objects playing and interacting in this network and uh, and that means that there are different protocols for humans you apply different protocols than for for a machine uh, when you talk to humans you have to be polite you have to do certain things that's the a good way of interacting with them when you interact with a computer you, that, that doesn't so play far, a role yes and so <laughs> there, it, it it's it's this large scale and this diversity of networks that also makes their uh, the way you operate them and the way you if you wish optimize them uh, is is becoming a real a real challenge and, and that uh, sometimes we just don't have the answers we, but we, any we have two to ex- arbitrary networks cannot be put together right i mean there has to be something in common there has to be something common that flows in both of them, there's or or I mean, no two random networks can be just put together. Do you know what I mean? At a at a very basic level, there's the infrastructure of the internet, which all networks try and plug into. Right. But there, there are two sets of arguments we can open up. One is we don't have doors in the old sense of uh, you know certain networks that we cannot enter. We have filters mm-hmm. that through filters. Uh, people argue that um, um, something like 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 a biometric identification card. So, what's the difference between doors and filters? A door will say someone else allows me to enter. In the old sense, you know, it's 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 like a prison. It a has school. to be open from inside. Uh, it has a prison, a school, a university. It's very tight. Right. But but a filter uh, gives you a temporary. Access. Uh, access. And it, it allows you to attach yourself to a fast-changing network. Right. And uh, it, it, it's, it's not a door in the old sense. And I suspect the protocols that are being developed by internet search engines, by, by all the surveillance systems when we, when we go online, sure. are a series of filters uh, that, that, are, that are coming in. And, I, and it'll be very, very interesting how research opens this up. Right. Uh, and and but, but as I said, there are different kinds of networks. We cannot collapse all networks because there are hierarchies of networks. And the dangers of networks today is that the old limits uh, that existed with networks where, you know, organizations set up protocols are now fast changing. But even if there's an emergent overall protocol, there has to be something, right? What are different kinds of networks? I know you've given some examples, but is there a way of coming up with a taxonomy, not, not instances of them. Yes, not hierarchy, inst- what Ravi was mentioning. Hierarchy is very important, otherwise uh, it will turn into chaos. You, 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 you not only need relatively simple 
local rules that will tell you how to operate. Mm -hmm. But you also need to say this overrules something else because it is uh, it is acting at a higher level. So you need to have a certain control on the network uh, at various levels. I mean, the, we, we, we know that the human brain is organized in a hierarchical manner. Uh, otherwise, we would, would not be able to function. We would not be able to, to, to remember things the way we do. And, and Frank, going back to the question we were on a while ago, is the reason why networks don't crash and burn more often why is that the case? Is that because there's just a lot of redundancy built in? Is that because there are many alternate paths? Or how exactly do networks make themselves less fragile or make themselves more robust or make themselves more stable? Well, the, the protocols that people who, who manage networks or, and who build networks, uh, the protocols that they have been used have been chosen cleverly in order for, to, to prevent this. And you need a certain level of redundancy, or we, we also sometimes call it resilience, mm -hmm. in order uh, for the network not to crash. If you would have a network of mobile phone users, and you would like to push it to the very extreme and use all the resources that you have, well, you're, you're, you will be pushing it into a very dangerous zone, and if there's something sudden happen, a small a small catastrophe, the whole network would go down. So you need to not want to push it too far. You need some kind of slack in the system in order to absorb also the unexpected things that You that know, but this happen. kind of an argument is intuitive for digital networks, but even non-digital networks don't crash and burn, right? You spoke of trade systems and other kinds of networks even before the mid-20th century or otherwise. I think what is remarkable is finan take financial systems. Mm. You did have the great crash mm. of the late uh, late 20s and you had a, you had the Great Depression. Right. And you do have business cycles. Right. You definitely have business cycles, which protocols can't stop because markets function uh, through, you know, there's always a fluidity to markets. But what is in remarkable about the internet is the simplicity which Frank points out of the internet uh, which comes from you know Shannon's theory of communication, how communication functions, and 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 the way the system was set up, really to to survive war, mm -hmm. right, and and the simplicity of the model allows for an expansion. It's allowed for a great expansion, and when hackers try and bring bring down networks, they mm -hmm. actually do it by overloading the network. Right, right. They overload the network. Right. You know, causing it to temporarily crash by right. giving a lot of requests to the network. It's really not the system internally right. going. It's not so, the architecture that falls. Yes, it's, it's so the, it's a very interesting, uh, but the question is the challenges of point. networks, not necessarily of crashing in the old sense, like the stock market crash, which I don't think is the best analogy, is what happens when the limits of the networks, the physical limits are breached through innovation. And when you say physical limits, you mean capacity in some sense, right? Do you, uh, I think does, capacity is being rewritten all the time. We did not imagine 10 years ago that networks could expand so much. No, that's quite all right. But at any moment in time, there would be some kind of a theoretical limit to what capacity any network could take. That sounds, sounds quite all right, doesn't it? It's not always capacity. It's also who interacts with who. For instance, the, the, hmm. the financial crisis um, uh, that we had, um, if we now look at the data after the fact, then it appears that the network has changed. The, the, and I'm talking about the network of, 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 of interbank relationship. That network changed even two years before the crash. Right. And nobody saw it because we, it, it's very hard to predict something. But after the fact, you can see that apparently that there was something happening before the crisis. And, and you saw that banks were less... Uh, working with each other, they they started to operate a bit more uh, in an isolated manner. So the risk manner aversion had gone and, up even yeah, earlier. and with more preferred partners. It, it it doesn't mean that we we would we can use this tool tomorrow to to predict. Right. Uh, but but there is a change in the structure of the network that may cause a, a a crisis. But it's not the capacity. It's more the structure of relationships that is changing and. Right, right, and right. 
Right. I mean, we haven't talked so far, even though you mentioned it at the beginning, of dynamics of networks, which mm. is, which is a, which is a, a fantastically challenging and exciting. Uh, Let's talk topics. about it. What do you mean by dynamics? Uh, th- th- that networks grow. That networks change. The, uh, we we know that the way networks are organized uh, has a lot to do with the way they grew. With the way they grew. Yeah, and, and for instance, if we that? come back to the hubs, uh, the hubs are are typically something that happens because of the way a network grows, and there's we 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 call this uh, preferential attachment. If there's a new node coming in, it will be more likely to be connected to a node that has already many connections. Right. And so th- this is what we call preferential attachment, and this uh, is very much re- responsible for the fact that large hubs appear, and these hubs play an important role in the functionality of the networks. We but see them Frank, in many different... once a hub, always a hub, or don't hubs disappear? They is can disappear. For oh, yes, networks? everything is dynamic. Hmm. But then there will be other hubs. So uh, somebody can be very popular for a while and then fade away, and then there will be other people... I think the other way of putting that question is that could there be a reasonably large network without meaningful hubs? Or or is there a necessity to hubs emerging, right? If if you know what I mean. And again, I think they could one could think of it in context of social networks or trade networks or financial networks or other kinds of networks. But I I think the thing that we're trying to go after is the necessity of it. Um you you can build networks without hubs. Uh, so it's not a necessity for a network to have hubs, but uh, but almost any human network, at least, seems to have hubs. Many networks, many networks have them as a result of very simple growth rules. Can you think of sis- networks or systems or connected entities which don't have hubs? Uh, it would have to be can a network. You, you, well, I think uh, hubs are hubs have become important in a different sense today, mm-hmm. and we have to understand hubs are very crucial because the internet changed with the coming of social media. Because social media introduced the theory of personalization. Yeah. If you remember the internet in the old days used to be large infrastructures producing content, right? Right. With the coming of social media, it became user-driven content. Yeah, user-driven content is based on personalization. The idea that a, a you know a person becomes a hub yeah. by aggregating content yeah. and by building connections. So this is the model of personalization, search, right. prediction, uh, series of connections. So it's it it's so the hub actually becomes very important not in the old infrastructural sense, but through personalization. So are you are you saying that in a in a in a in an architecture where nodes themselves are also producers of information and not just consumers? They are set up as that, but remember, they are also producing value for large corporations. Right. They are opening up privacy questions, which are which are which the which the European uh, you know d- debates are now going into data protection issues. Sure. They, they open up a huge can of worms. So the the shift to the the personalized hub. Which is central to the internet today. It's really central. You know, you have sudden uh, celebrities that emerge by be- becoming big hubs uh, and also producing value. Uh, so it opens up re- really interesting, interesting points. But they're not hubs in the old sense. Of course, they are hubs. But it's a model of personalization which is central to internet design, hmm. uh, which may not last forever. Uh, which may not last forever. What happens when the Internet of Things uh, comes about? What happens when large AI engines come about? We don't know. Uh, so I think I think the networks, in a sense, are eternal but contextual. So, Ravi, you would also then say that uh, the, the, the actors in the network have become much more active than passive in, in the last couple of years. They're so they're, they're, they're more active players they are in more what the network players, Which also means, uh, though we underestimate it, protocols are important. Uh, system management is important. Mm-hmm. There are always, you know, the whole shift to AI is to stabilize the system, to manage the system, I think. Because the system uh, has become very, very large. Uh, and and uh, you know we are we are talking of large movements in networks of photographs of of not just financial data, audio, video, uh, television is now shifting to the internet. 
so all kinds of new network densities are coming about so we need to actually think about what happens to systems of stabilization because i honestly think these hierarchies are very very important uh, for networks to function otherwise networks can't function and i think the other interesting point in what you mentioned ravi is that there are different kinds of data on there in in networks so mm-hmm. if you talk of video or audio or text or whatever effectively are they the same i mean can the same network be used for transmission and circulation of different kinds of data or in effect they are different sub networks overlaid on each other not every network can transform every kind of uh, information they they they're, they're right. tailored to a particular kind of uh, of flow as you uh, as you would put it and so th- this hierarchy is very important you need to to be able to define certain levels you need to be able to say this is more important than something that is at a lower level so uh, i need to be able to control that and that again will be will have another higher level at which you should be able to say i am managing that i mean you 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 may prevent in a in a traffic network you 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 may not be able to prevent uh, a traffic jam in one spot but you want to act such that it's not going to become much bigger so right. here's an example of something where you have to act in a hierarchical way and say i have to do something to prevent that my network would would uh, de- uh, be in trouble or destabilize at a higher level and i will have to pay a price by saying okay the 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 train between two cities is going to have to stop for a while and it's unfortunate for the people who sit on the train but they have to do that otherwise uh, the whole country has a problem i think that's a beautiful point so you're saying yep. that for in situations such as these very local optimizations could bring very yeah strong system level uh, performance or something to that effect yeah i think and uh, take take the way we memorize hmm. things this is also ordered in layers we don't want to remember everything we mm-hmm. remember the mo- most important thing and once we remember that we suddenly are triggered to think about further the de- details that that have happened and maybe that will trigger something further but we don't want to have access to all these detailed information all at once we store our memories in layers and this is this is remarkable there are certain things that you cannot remember and there are other things for 30 years ago that that you can pick up very quickly and and how do we do that that has to do with hierarchies so uh, a while ago you mentioned frank that it's possible for there to be large networks without nodes but do large networks necessarily have to have hierarchies do hierarchies inevitably emerge is there a sense of necessity to that if you want to control the network are um, all large networks hierarchical is, is is a question if they function not in complete chaos they they are <laughs> i think if if a network becomes very so does large, it even make some, sense to some form of hierarchy you would have to build in if you want to steer the network you can put a network there and say i don't care about what it's doing uh, then then there's no limit to it but uh, but whether in natural systems or physical systems or human systems or social systems yeah. i mean can they be chaotic systems truly chaotic systems yes if something goes wrong with the network uh, you will have a problem if you <laughs> switch off all the traffic lights you're going to have a real problem and yeah. and the traffic light is is an example of a hierarchical control there's not a traffic light on every corner of the street but there are some and we try to to deal with that do do hierarchies always emerge i think there's governance the key thing is networks all networks have a system of governance either self governance or self governance protocols in a way system. the whole idea of protocol is self governance yes, right the systems so. of governance now systems of governance are usually uh, sometimes very technical hmm. sometimes they are conventions sometimes right. they are social contracts right. between uh, states and population sometimes they evolve through transnational uh, governance right and uh, this could be in medical systems uh, a, g- a good example is climate change mm-hmm. one of the arguments about climate change is a uh, cycles uh, of of na- the so called natural cycles of climate have been breached mm-hmm. by in, in uh, indefinite network expansion human networks machine networks uh, you know uh, you know the, the releasing of ga- dangerous gas into the atmosphere so the question that we is opened up is how do we actually re restabilize this cycle back 
so we've actually reached the at one level with 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 climate change the limit of expansion what do we how so it requires governance really important governance and but it requires convention governance is also about conventions can we make that more rigorous ravi so when you say reach the limit limit of what because eventually these are stacks on top of each other right so i mean if so climate is one kind of aspect of this whole thing so but, uh, i mean if we, if 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 internet were to be half the size whatever that means it's not like would climate change not happen or no. if there were half the cars no. in the world would climate change not happen climate so how how does something one... like a climate change is reliant on a complex set of factors which right. we can't quickly you know abstract but i want to say just one thing in the context of this discussion mm-hmm. networks are based on management of energy too and this management the, of energy and energy networks require energy different different levels of energy the internet requires and you mean energy in the sense mm. of just plain energy or in a, in a heat, more abstract heat management uh, heat management is very important uh, for for networks to stabilize small machine objects like your phone right. also require some form of heat management sure. all of us are using energy sure. uh, mm-hmm. and and i think we need, i think one of the questions that has emerged is what kind of energy right uh, is it sustainable sustainable right. uh, are we doing it in a way that networks can reproduce in in a in a in a less destructive manner so i think these are crucial planetary questions because it's a planetary stack now networks yeah. are a planetary stack yeah. which are very very crucial questions and so what? these are these yeah. are the value questions i think we need to open up uh, if we need to think about networks does the notion of energy make any sense to you frank what i mean so when we just say that networks grow surely it needs something to grow i mean they are not i mean maybe they're autonomous maybe they're semi autonomous maybe they need some influx of energy in some shape or form they do so what what and, is energy uh, and and the bigger they get the more <laughs> energy they they need uh, but do do they become more efficient as they become bigger i mean let's call it good networks bad networks No, I don't think they will become more efficient. They they need a, a certain critical mass to be efficient. Mm-hmm. But uh, but afterwards I think many properties do not really depend so much on the size. But energy is Such of course another another question. I mean if if we're spending 2% of our energy on networks today that that's that's a serious question and if the network would would be growing by a factor 10 then it suddenly will be become 20% of our energy so this is a very serious concern with with a major impact and and that may may and will at some point become a limiting factor but surely at the planetary level which is the level that you introduce ravi yeah. the amount of energy is i mean of course we can overmine and over consume um the amount of energy is not infinite but that's precisely the point so yeah. we might be over consuming and that's why we're leading to accelerated growth of whatever networks there might be that that's your point yeah. that's my point and and basically we've had in the last 50 years a re uh, redesignation of what it means to be human uh so because if if what it means to be human means a set of indefinite expansion of what life was supposed to be mm-hmm. uh we expand into all kinds of different domains uh, lifestyle consumption business adds different layers every few years it's that's uh, why surprising as it may sound it may even have geological implications yes, yes. so i mean while while is that the so <laughs> so what is, was called the life of the human is now planetary Hmm. is now yes. becomes the life of the planet it becomes different layers so that's why the big debate uh, about uh, climate change is also about the way we live and and the way networks function because we are deeply embedded in networks as never before yes i mean you've already mentioned the worries about privacy and and security uh, I, i see even another point of worry where you say uh, we are all becoming part of of everything and at some point you you ask yourself um uh, you know who am i and uh, what role do i play i mean these are old philosophical questions mm-hmm. but uh, for instance is it still possible in this world to be alone to be isolated yeah okay can we can we be isolated at all i mean it's wonderful to sit on top of a hill under a tree and say i don't hear anything i don't see anything and i want i need to reflect Uh, will we still be able 
to so, do that. So, it's, a, so, it's, a, it's not yeah. only a question of privacy. It's also how you perceive to be part of this enormous world uh, of which you may not be able to distance yourself so easily as we could before. But nodes, every node in large network is redundant at some level, right? Yes, so, all, all, so, human, I mean, all single uh, humans are redundant uh, um, in the end. Yeah. Yes, uh, a node, uh, there, there's no node that is indispensable for, for a network. Not even hubs. Not even hubs. Not even hubs. No. No, that's interesting. But, but the limit of knowledge, uh, the question you asked, Frank, is about what, what is knowledge today? And at, at one time... You mean self-knowledge? or Deep knowledge. At one time, <laughs> philosophy was oh. a certain autonomy uh, from, from so sociality. You know, you had to have a certain autonomy to pass judgment. Right. Uh, autonomy was the basis of judgment. Right. Today, embeddedness and, mm. you know, indefinite embeddedness is seen as the condition of being human. What I'm arguing and we're debating here is what are the limits to that? Yeah. What are the protocols of that? Because I really think what it means to be human is shifting so fast because we have the sensory infrastructure yeah. where the senses are being expanded yeah. as never before because that that's, makes money off. You see all the big companies today in the world, they're not uh, steel companies, they're media companies, you know, where value comes from experience. Yeah. Facebook, Google. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These are the big companies, Alibaba. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and we don't know uh, what is coming. We don't know what to expect. We should be very vigilant. So why why is the sensory most valuable? Well, is there is there something deep about it, or you think of well, it as an anomaly? No, it's not is an it, anomaly. It's it, it's valuable because clearly it's at, happening at a planetary at level. One time, it's happening to everyone. It, it was not the source of value. It was not the source of value. I think measurement systems exist now. Clearly, measurement systems exist where they can measure the senses through the way we browse the internet, uh, the way our hand uh, taps our, 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 our sure. screens. Uh, there are new measurement systems, very complex measurement systems that are generating value from experience. Uh, which so we, you think that has a fundamental role to play in answering this question of why does the sensory have value? The sensory always had value, hmm. but it had a value at, at an aesthetic level. Right. It had a value at an aesthetic level, at a philosophical level. But now uh, they are the flesh and blood of big business, uh, which is, is a big, this is a big shift from the new internet, user-driven infrastructure, user-driven content, uh, the way information is now being agglomerated through users, right? Uh, the way, uh, the whole transformation of life based on what they call the user. So mm. that can, that is being measured. <laughs> That is being measured by search engines, uh, online platforms, algorithms, uh, mm. artificial intelligence engines, right? So measurement is is coming as never before. It was something that you learnt in high school and you learnt uh, in maths departments. But now measurement is something everyone's, talk, everyone's talking about measurement, which is something I had not anticipated. So this is to do with the sensory. Hmm. Uh, which, uh, which is clearly something uh, states, for example, are deeply interested in measurement because old systems of measurement uh, seem no longer clear anymore mm -hmm. based on paper. And the measurements will have an influence on what you can know about a network. I mean, they, they will influence on what models you, you would use to, to actually describe these objects that are so complex. Hmm. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. How large can networks be? I think there's no no limitation. So what's the yeah. largest network today? Perhaps the human brain? The human brain, yeah. <laughs> the complexity of the human brain is now being uh, understood more and more mm -hmm. today. Oh, sure. And and uh, again, it talk, talks of the borders that we of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And, and as, as the human brain in, interacts with uh, other systems, because the human brain is not completely autonomous. It's constantly interacting yeah. with other systems. There's even this theory which talks of the transformation of the brain as, yes. as you know, as memory systems in the brain, as we co constantly rely and delegate our memory to other things, right? Mm -hmm. So we're increasingly delegating our memory to artificial objects like phones, yeah. cloud systems. So, so, so they're all the big debates on what, what is happening to this body, the thing that we call the body. Yes.
Uh, and there so also the bodies are getting networked in a in, in a broader mm. way. Yes. Well, uh, also with the brain measurement is again an important issue. We are able to measure better and better uh, uh, what the brain is doing, but there's still a lot that we cannot measure in detail. I mean, with the current techniques, you can only look into the brain at a certain depth. You would not be able to make visible all the structure that is there. And, and so the way we think about it is, is also guided by how much we can actually measure. And if we could measure more, perhaps our, our idea about what the brain is doing would change. But as you measure more, you understand more. And as yes. you understand more, you're able to apprehend it and, or at least go after it in ways that might be novel and new. But, you know, I think just going back to one of the points that Ravi was making a while ago in very complex networks which are connected to other complex networks and so on, so there's some kind of a mega structure. Does the whole notion of cause have any meaning at all? So how do we know what causes <laughs> what? So, I mean, we touched upon this notion of climate change and, you know, obviously everybody is feeling yeah. guilty enough and, you know, depending on who or where one is. But it's, it's how, how difficult is it to understand what causes what? Surely it's difficult, but the question is, is it, is it a tractable question at all? It, it becomes more difficult. I mean, the more, the more you put together, uh, you, you, the more everything influences everything else. And it's, it and becomes... you mean that in a strict sense, Frank, everything influences everything yeah, else. Yeah, and, and it becomes harder to, to decide uh, where things went wrong. I mean, if you have a complex system, you may you may need to find and search very deeply for what actually went wrong. It could be something in a very small spot, and you haven't seen it. You have to have to find it. And so, I think what causes what is is uh, is is becoming more and more difficult when you have big networks. And and networks feed uh, into each other in both directions. I mean, there's a hierarchy. And but the, the the feedback is not only from the bottom to the top, but it's also from the top to the bottom. Yeah. And then uh, your question, what causes the what? The feedback loops is, and is very complicated, and and this is also at the basis of when you have big crashes or you have big problems. So for the climate, you say, w w where really is the problem? We okay. There there's some 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 points you could uh, there's some markers, but there are also probably reasons that are much deeper hidden in the way people, um, uh, you know. In, so in what ends up happening in scenarios like these, do causes end up becoming non-local in, in a strict sense or or then the systemic, yeah. it's, it's all systemic after a while? Crashes do not typically have to do with something going wrong in one spot. It's, right. it's, it's really a kind of, uh, more non-local problem that then spreads over the whole network. And you know, all through our discussion, we've been using the word networks and connectedness in an interchangeable sense, but surely mm -hmm. there must be other ways of being connected or is are all ways of being connected networks, whether simple or complex. For me, everything that is connected is a, is network. a network. So me net too, yeah. me mm -hmm. too. But I think the challenge of causality is uh, it's a challenge for government. For example, in the media context, yes. Ravi, I mean, there could be a more broadcast way of doing things, right? I mean, there is, but if you see the television screen, the television screen is an anxious uh, element today. It's, <laughs> its anxiety screams out. The transmission of television is a profound factor because the internet has transformed television. Hmm. Television screen is more sharper. News has become slightly more hysterical <laughs> uh, and sharper. This is this is really the internet. You know, elements of the internet creeping in and and a lot of television now wants to go online because it wants to get this whole online you know younger generation uh, viewership but going back to causality causality is very important because governance is based on an understanding of causality and appropriating judgment. Mm -hmm. There should yeah. be some form of judgment. Yeah, of you have to have judgment in any modern society, right? Yeah. And that's how conventions change. So in, in uh, transnational uh, organizations, there are always negotiations. But they're conflicts of sovereignty. They're conflicts of sovereignty, conflicts of uh, responsibility. There's an ethics of responsibility that we all share now because we are part of networks. We yeah. can't never forget that. Uh, there are there are there are there are conflicts between uh, governments uh, and and corporations. Yeah. Uh, courts, 
yeah and and companies on on issues of privacy yeah. there are, so these mm. so conflicts actually have increased yeah or protocol conflicts yeah. in the old days they were simpler they were you know the scale was different yeah. now with planetary scale it may seem it's impossible but i think conflicts are, are have to be resolved they have to be addressed and resolved and i think you see, you see look at the complexity of the conflicts today at every level you have uh, network conflicts of scale of judgment of responsibility Mm. You have to. Someone has to take mm -hmm. responsibility. So, Ravi, to what extent do you think that that uh, is becoming uh, one of the problems? With that, is that there are also different uh, players in the game? Uh, if if already you see that young people are able to do things with networks that a generation older uh, cannot do, and another generation older isn't even uh, interacting so much with the network. There are lots of exceptions, of course. This also means that the players in the game have different realization of what uh, what their responsibility is. Um, we should also teach people how to act responsibly in a responsible way in this enormous arena where they have this influence and the, 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 this responsibility should uh, it, it's not something that that uh, comes for free it's not something that you would realize very quickly that it, uh, it should be taught just like 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 a morale should be mm -hmm. should be that's, taught. A, that's an excellent point because <laughs> there are two two levels at this one is the governance systems right with states courts uh, institutions work out and that's going to continue and we have a very limited role in that second is the ethics of participation at a, at a more networks. individual level yes the ethics are things that have to be so for example i would argue very strongly that uh, the ethics of participation should be uh, so, you know uh, that I, what i do does not harm or 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 humiliate or violate someone else's life uh, uses uh, a, a form of speech that is not violent mm -hmm. that that uh, is based on an ethics of of shared judgment so these i think have become more important than ever before in network participation so uh, you know we have seen how turbulent the world is today but somewhat paradoxically ravi in, in just just about 10 minutes ago you were talking about this at least feeling of loss of autonomy yes uh, so, so paradoxically in a situation like that where you kind of feel a loss of sense of self or something to that effect the the tendency to violate some of these positions is even higher, isn't it? So, the, so, the, so this is you know what so, I mean. So, the loss of self is an old trope in modern life. Mm. You know, with with you know industrial and technological transformation, cinema emerged. Sure, it was a huge transformation when print emerged. It was a huge time when the railways emerged. Right. When electric light emerged. Right. You know, when the day really expanded, it is obviously disorienting. Yeah. It's deeply disorienting, exhilarating to people. The internet is a bit like that. But those are not who am I questions. Those are not, no, they do become who, who am I question because your sense of self uh, becomes completely changed when you're confronted with new experiences that you're, you're, you're not historically tuned to grow up with. Today, I think speech acts online, mm. especially for this generation, Mm. Uh, are very important parts of the self, and and the boundaries of the self are not clear. That's why I'm I'm pushing very strongly for an ethics of participation and respect, uh, mutual respect. You know, which took centuries to emerge in in yes. modern life, and I think we really because these are things we can do. Uh, governance systems we have a very limited uh, <laughs> part of. But respect was taught by your parents, by your family, then by your school teachers then and and some something should replace that when it comes to respect in how to behave in a big network absolutely so i you know as a as a teacher i would tell my students uh, you know you know i would share when i teach protocols of respect uh, that uh, you know we must we must respect especially online speech mm -hmm. where the tendency is to shout down uh, other forms yes. of speech. How so do why don't why don't protocols of respect emerge? Why why don't they just happen? I mean, so, you, so there is a, so there is this expectation almost, Frank, in the way you articulate it, of somebody 
having to teach somebody something, which is totally fine per se. Um, but it looks like all kinds of local protocols have emerged for somewhat more efficient interactions to happen for non-fragility or some kind of stability to develop and so on. But well, there is some control if somebody puts something very off, uh, very awful on on YouTube. It's being removed. Right. And 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 so so. The, uh, but there, there's a there's a there's an unpredictable element in that. Uh, I'm worried by by the. Terrible fake news, sometimes uh, awful fake news that is being just thrown thrown around, uh, and uh, and and people are not being able to to judge is this real or is there something real to it. It just uh, so you you but you cannot prevent this always from higher value. It should come from within that you say I am not going to yell at people i'm not going to insult them if somebody has done something wrong i'm not going to send him an anonymous email message in which i'm going to tell sure. uh, say something terrible sure. I mean, this is happening uh, this is happening too much so why don't we end with this so in in in, in large networks which are hyper connected is it possible to almost entirely lose the sense of self See, there is theoretically this, so there is this tension and here's the tension which our conversation has sort of summarized. One is the design of the network. Right. And the design of personalization is based on agglomeration, right. expansion. Right. So uh, sensational, provocative stuff agglomerates. Yeah. It does agglomerate. It, it leads say. to accelerated circulation it, or whatever. It goes wild. Sp spatial expansion so, and, and more value is produced. Yeah. And more money is produced. This is how the network is, this is the design of the of the of, of the contemporary network. Today we are faced with the situation where some of that is harmful. A lot of that is harmful, mm -hmm. and so we. So the question is, what are the kind of ethical questions of we throw up as individuals? So now today we are in a situation to ask the question: Look, some consequences of our actions can be deeply harmful, and uh, at, uh, we have to open up these questions. What forms of speech and action? are harmful and violative of a sense of self. Sure. I think it's time to ask that question. Yeah, and, and some of it can be dealt with by education and perhaps something uh, also by making the network intelligent in some sort of way in which it would simply filter what, what this out. What could those ways be, Frank? That's, I'm afraid that's too difficult uh, to answer at this moment uh, you, you say so how could you prevent uh, offensive language to to go through the network you would have to find a clever way to detect no, that without of, anybody at the level of system design mm -hmm. at the level of network design why surely I mean, surely it's not a trivial question I get that part but there could be ways of designing fail safes right um, but that would come at a price. It would mean that uh, other information can also not right. move. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you can say, I want in a country freedom of speech. Sure. But the consequence is that people can then insult each other. Right. Uh, so you don't want to close any channels. It's a, it's a very difficult uh, question to which uh, the answer would probably require a multitude of, of actions to, 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 to deal with it. Censorship is not the way out. In the old days, censorship was by states. It's still a lot of it is by states. Sure. But now, when uh, when algorithms uh, start coming in and deciding uh, what goes and what doesn't go, there will be very serious mistakes. So we have to. I think we are in early days here. Right. We yes. have just seen the poison opening up. That hmm. networks, that design of networks opens But Ravi, up. at least historically, you you have some understanding of how print has evolved, how some other media have evolved, and we are maybe in very early hmm. days of a certain kind of media. Who knows what this might lead to? Do you have any intuition? There is no comparison because the scale of those days was nothing compared to the scale of today, where all all of us are media producers. That's what the mm -hmm. personalized system of the internet since 2005 has made us. And we are producing this affective you know, infrastructure and we are partaking in it. So this expands spatially the hmm. scale incredibly. So it's much deeper now. <laughs>
and, and it's a great challenge and and uh, we've just begun trying to open up i don't think there can be a, a simple technological solution and frank is absolutely right it has to be a movement of education of shared conventions and censorship is not the option because there will be mistakes and we may close our freedoms with censorship sure sure i think that's a good note to end this on thanks to both of you for making it and we look forward to having you soon again thank, thank you. you take care thank you, thank you.